All right. So if you have been coming this past few Sundays, we're, we've been touching on the area of um, drug and alcohol and other types of addictions. Um, we have covered so far the, the labels uh, given in the world, the, the DSM labels, um, the descriptions for these things, and um, how the Bible sees that. Um, and then we saw some methods that have been used for helping people, that like the 12 Steps program, and then uh, Celebrate Recovery. So we kind of studied some of those things, contrasting with the Bible, how it really offers no lasting hope. Um, it might help people, and kind of gave a little bit of personal testimony. My dad, being an alcoholic, uh, I never saw him drunk. He stopped drinking the year I was born. And yet, uh, because he was part of 12-step program, you're always told to say, you know, I'm still an alcoholic. You remember that? And I said, well, you haven't drunk in 15, 20 years, and you're still called an alcoholic. Well, in Christ, you're, you're different. You're transformed. So today, we're really going to address, we've got to touch on the area. So how then the Bible talks about biblical change? So I want to preface this, though, um, with the encouragement to, as we look at these things, uh, people that deal with deep struggles and temptations, that we can offer them hope, and, and we should offer them hope, and give the confidence that Christ, it, if he sets us free, we're free indeed. We need no have no need to be enslaved to sin. And so I just wanted to, you know, preface with that and with the compassion that we should have. You know, people that have been struggling for years, um, habits are hard to break, but that there is hope in Christ. And so how about we get started with a word of prayer and then we'll dive right into our material. Um, I don't know if, uh, Caitlin, is the, the notes on the, on the back table there, or is this past? Everybody has notes. All right, good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for uh, this beautiful day that you have given us. Uh, we get to enjoy your creation, see um, how amazing you are, how kind you are. And I pray, Father, that as we uh, look at your word, may we find encouragement and hope and, and be comforted that we can help others, that we can point them to Christ. Um, we know that there are so many um, false ways or doctrines that even might lead people away from you. Um, our goal is not simply sobriety, but is to be transformed people. Father, we are thankful for your grace. I pray that you would bless our time of discussion here. In your son's name, amen. All right, so I'm going to dive right into here. It says, uh, the first point there in your notes says the method of biblical change. Um, it is not uh, recovery. We're not trying to bring you back to a state where you were before. Um, it is all about transformation, true transformation, spiritual transformation, which the Bible calls sanctification. Right? And everything starts um, in, uh, with salvation. So if you open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
So uh, I just want to also remind of the that all those methodologies that have looked before that were failing, they were based on um, what we call the medical model uh, for for change, which pretty much says that if you are an addict, uh, there's no curing it. You're just going to be like this for the rest of your life, and there's no uh, hope. You can met you can medicate, you know, out of uh, withdrawal symptoms, and you can, you know, wean out of the drug and all of that, but there's always the, the, the danger of relapse, and there's always uh, this thing hovering over you. Talk about, you know, childhood things that influence and get you there, and once you're there, there's no way out. Basically, that's what they say. And then we saw some brain scans that they showed, right, saying like, well, this is how the brain is affected, and ultimately, even the medical community is divided on this. They have said this is just wrong to give people uh, a, a way out of personal responsibility. We can respond to, to, to life in a way that is not um, determined by our genes, determined by society. And it's, that's all because of the gospel. So you see the... Uh, the church in Corinth had all sorts of people, people that have struggled with homosexuality, with drugs, with drinking, with also of, of being fighters, just people that just like having a fight, all sorts of sin. And yet, here's Paul is writing to them and saying, I want to remind you of these things. First Corinthians chapter 6, and we're looking at verse 9 through 11. Um, and he says, you can't get blunt, any blunter than this, right? He says, oh, you do not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And if we stop there, it would be just a hopeless text to end with, right? But what does Paul say? Such were some of you. This is past tense now. It is not who you are anymore. Because you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So God puts human beings in a new path of transformation and hope. And then if you flip to uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul would kind of affirm the same thing on um, that we don't need to, to be unchanged and determined. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17. What does it say there? Therefore, Actually, let's start uh, with verse 16. Um, because really what Paul's argument in this whole chapter is belonging to Christ changes our whole outlook in life. It, 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 it changes us from the inside out. And even as we look outside now, we interpret things differently. Why? Because of this change that happened at a heart level. So it says, therefore, now one we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him in this way no longer. 
Even our understanding of who Christ was was different. But then as we know him, it says, if therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. And the old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world with himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and that he has committed... Um, and he has committed to us the world of the word of reconciliation. Why is that? The problem of an addict, a problem of uh, uh, people that struggle with drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is, it is not the substance. It is that they are in enmity with God, that they don't know God, and they are still under God's wrath, like all of us are if we don't come to Christ. And so this word of reconciliation is that Christ offered forgiveness for sin that we don't have to pay for, we don't have to be condemned for, and be reconciled to God and have full peace with him. That is the message. And as a product of that, we are transformed into new creatures. You know, they have this illustration of of a baby being born into the faith family. That's what happens. And so then how this is just, just the first step, so to speak, right? It's you, you come to Christ, you're watching from, you're given a new life, you're reconciled to God, and then what happens? Um, Ephesians chapter 4. And I, I think, you know, I think particularly for my dad that came out of, of that uh, mindset for years from... Um, 12-step program, AA, realizing that I, I am no longer an alcoholic. I am no longer a drunk. I am a new creature in Christ. I do not need to be ruled by that thinking, by my genes, whatever it is that um, it, it is being attributed. Because, they, you know, you don't, doctors won't find um, any um, thing to say that you're, you're recoverable, you are uh, untransformable, so to speak. I don't know if this is an English word. Uh, primarily that the way that God built our, build our brains is that there's this thing called plasticity, that we can change the way we think, that we're not fixed in our ways, that our brain can create different neural transmissions of routes of thinking and, and not be the same way. So Ephesians chapter 4 20 to 32 really talks about this change that happens progressively. It is not night and day. You know, some people are changed uh, very quickly, but really our transformation is for a lifetime. Ephesians chapter 4, what is the basis for it? Verse 20, but you did not learn Christ in this way. You know, having a callous heart, previous verses saying that. If you needed if you indeed have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside your old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to the, lust, the lusts of deceit, and that you're renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. And the likeness of God has been created in righteousness, in holiness, in truth. So, what are the, the, the Bible, if you want to 
you know, talked about 12 steps, right? I, I tend to say, well, Scripture gives you just three steps. <laughs> what it is, you put it off, you lay aside your former way of life, so certain behaviors have to go, but that is motivated by a renewing of the mind, thinking the right things, having the heart attitude, the affections. And I think that's major, because you will hear in psychology the cognitive behavior therapy, right? You, you think the way, you change the way you think, it will change the way you behave. Well, with Scripture, there's more than that, because we understand our minds not only as the things that we think about, it has to do with things that we love, the things that we desire, the things that we pursue. So for the, as you've seen the previous weeks, that in the heart of every sin really is idolatry. It is, I sin not because this thing um, is, is too tempting or because it is addictive. It is because it is offering me something that I really want. It is offering me peace. It is offering me pleasure. It is offering me love. And I'm going to pursue after those things, and they become gods in my life because they are greater than God. So, um, so he gives the model here, the Apostle Paul, and then he gives us examples. Well, how is that seen then in the transformation? Verse 25, therefore, laying aside falsehood. So let's see how we should talk. Putting off, right? The first step, laying aside falsehood. Speak truth with each other. Uh, with each one with his own neighbor, putting on the new action. We're speaking truth instead of saying lies. For we're members of one another, giving the right motivation. We are a family. We shouldn't be lying to each other. So it's not just a matter of, oh, I should stop believing this lie, should stop speaking this lie. And speaking the truth is, no, I need a greater motivation. And it, the great motivation is, well, I'm supposed to love God above everything else and to love my neighbor as myself. That is the affection that will um, offer um, the reason for transformation. Be angry and yet do not sin. Let not the sun go down your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. So even the anger, having that motivation of dealing with it right away and not uh, letting it simmer, like to corrupt your heart. Then I, this is my favorite one here. And he who steals must no longer steal. Right? The person that is um, the kleptomaniac, the person that is tempted to steal. But rather, he must labor performing with his own hands uh, what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. All right, so... From a worldly standpoint, they get the putting off. You know, I have to stop this wrong behavior. or I have to, to start a new behavior. Got to start working. But then you see here the change. The difference is um, you really need a different heart. You need, really need a different motivation. Because here's the thing. Someone is a kleptomaniac, go to jail, serve their time, um, come back out of jail. They become workaholics. You know, I'm going to really work, but it's still centered in self. I'm going to work as many hours as I can so I can have more money for myself. So I can, I can take it, so I can have it. It is still the same heart of greed. It's just manifesting itself in a different way. So why that he's saying here that a person should work, not only so that he would have money for himself, but to give 
to others. Why? Because it's a heart motivation. Now, I don't want money is not a, 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 something to give me what I want, the comfort, the security that I want. It is, some, it is just a tool that God has given me for my benefit and for the benefit of others. So out of having a taking heart, they having a giving heart. So I think that illustrates pretty much what we're going to see in some of the mentalities that we want to help um, people that struggle with addiction to, to change and to change that motivation. Okay, and More on that, on the, the different examples that we're going to see here. All right. And then um, ultimately, the goal is increase, increasing Christ-likeness. It's what we call the progressive sanctification. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, war, what are we being changed into? Um, I remember a, um, a saying um, that we have in Portuguese. I grew up in Brazil. had a song. It was uh, called Gabriela. That was the name of the song. It was just really funny. But basically, the, the song would go like this, that uh, I was born this way, I grew up this way, I'm going to die this way. That we are fixed um, on, on the in our, on our attitudes and our behavior. And, uh, you know, this girl, Gabriella, she was just very promiscuous. And, and in her mind, you know, I can't change. Well, we're just seeing here that God can change people, and more yet, he can um, progressively change them into who? Into himself. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18 says, but we all, and, and there's a, some language here from the Old Testament, um, with unveiled face, it's talking about Moses when he would go to the mountain and hear the Lord speaking and the words of the Lord, and then he would start shining all of a sudden. Um, so Paul is using that kind of analogy to say, the more we look at the Lord with this unveiled face, the more we learn about Scripture, the more we learn about God's character. He's giving. He's loving. That's how I want to look like. That's how this is the character that I, I want to emulate. This is the affection, the desire that I want to emulate. Not my own personal desires, not my own personal uh, preferences. I want to be like Christ. So that's basically what's saying this unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God, we are being transformed into the image, into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord in the Spirit. So that transformation happens every day. For those of us that are believers that have trusted our lives to Christ, um, we know we have our ups and downs, right? But there is a general progression that the more we know God, the more we know about his character, we want to be like him. So there you go, progressive sanctification. Um, then we see here in the second point the, the worldly mindset. And here I'm going to open for some discussion. Um, addressing the worldly mindset. So I, I, most of the material that I have here is from uh, Dr. Mark Shaw. Um, he taught you know, the seminar that I'm taking on um, the specialization in addictions. So I put some of his um, books here. Now they're available in our library for you to check out. So you go there and, and check it out. Um, 
but he had uh, particularly on the uh, biblical prevention strategies, um, and he had this book called not, How to Not Raise an Addict, um, that some of the things, some of the ways that we, we talk to our children, we, we can just influence and have them to be on this mindset that is not biblical. So what does he call a mentality here? It's an outlook, a perspective, a way of looking at life, and it is revealed in words, thoughts, actions based on what we believe. So the truth must replace the lies uh, they believe. Application of, uh, to, a biblical, to addiction biblical counseling is, the person who have become enslaved to their own heart desires or whatever the substance or action achieves uh, for them results um, in that they'll get them. They must be transformed by the renew- renewing of their mind, as we saw in Ephesians, and also Romans 12, 2 talks about that. And a disciple-making by utilizing the word of God that can help them to put off the replacing, the lies, with putting on the truth, and then thinking and looking more like Jesus is the goal. All right. So he based off of these two things here out of Matthew 22, 37 to 40, and Ephesians 5.18, some of what um, we're going to read it here. So you see the chart there on your, um, your notes? So it just says here in the first one, a scripture, uh, Matthew 22, and then at some point he tr- switches to Ephesians. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. The teaching points with um, this um, mentality that does not go to that is a mentality that is entitled, that is all about me, right? Um, I want to do what I want when I want. What are the three major sources of temptation, according to um, the first John that we have been studying here? Let's see if you recall it. The lust of, or the desires of, huh? The lust of the eyes, or the desires of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, our, um, our flesh desire anything that gives us pleasure, that gives us uh, a hope. And lastly, the boastful pride of life. I think this entitlement mentality is at the core of the boastful pride of life. Um, I, I put a little uh, cartoon there. Um, you will see this a lot as you're counseling people. They, they um, feel entitled. And Please support my tireless efforts to continue blaming other people for the chronic problems in my life. <laughs> I, I, th- this is not me. Um, so-and-so did this to me, and that's how I became this way. Um, I just got hooked on this. And I deserve it. So um, he, he really uh, warns uh, Mark Shaw on his seminars to say, you know, be careful the way you talk to, to, to your child. Um, oh, you deserve this. You know, you, you, you deserve the very best. You know, hear me out. I am not telling you that it, it's wrong for you to, you know, uh, reward your child for accomplishing a chore, um, you know, a task. I think that's okay, but you should teach them to say, you know, everything that we have really is a gift from God. We're not born deserving anything. 
But think about it. As sinners as we are, what we deserve is hell. Um, you know, we don't deserve anything. I, I really struggled <laughs> sometimes talking with my family because, you know, every time I got a degree, they're like, oh, you, you deserve this. Uh, y- yes, there was effort that I put in. There were things that I did. But who gave me the strength to, to study? Who, who even gave me the opportunity to go to school? The means they provided for me was all the Lord. So I deserve nothing. Um, you want to know what I deserve? I deserve hell, and God did not give it to me. But this entitlement mentality really is, I, I want to do whatever I want because I deserve it. I can reward myself with uh, another a bottle of wine because I deserve it. You know, I mean, we, we discussed this. There's nothing wrong with uh, drinking, um, not for the purpose of getting drunk, but whenever we're seeking that, as a, as a means to satisfy. And I'll give you an example here. Um, I had a, a guy that we started, you know, having gospel conversations. And, um, and he asked a lot of questions, like, well, does the Bible say that it's okay for me to drink? Or what, what does the Bible say? I said, well, you know, the Bible doesn't prohibit it. The Bible prohibits the fact of getting drunk under the influence of, of drink. Now, for some people, to understand that line is very hard, <laughs> Because all of a sudden, you know, what, what for one might be a glass, for another one might be a whole bottle. At the moment that their judgment is impaired, that there is um, the influence of, of the substance in a person, that's really what it is. And so it's like, oh, interesting, okay. Uh, so it's not wrong for me to drink a beer. I'm like, well, um, and I started asking him a question. It's like, why do you drink the, the beer? Right, I can pretty much drink two or three a day. It was just one, right? Now it's two or three a day, and why? Well, I was just so overwhelmed with anxiety and with these thoughts in my mind, and I just have to, you know, it's just giving me the buzz, and I'm able to sleep. Like, well, so you're really seeking a, a peace of mind on, on, on something else. So, and people would say, well, that, that, that is their idol, right? That the alcohol is their idol. No, the alcohol is not the idol. The idol that he's seeking is peace and comfort outside God. And alcohol is just being a means. It could have been marijuana. It could have been whatever. There was another counselee that I, you know, we're having counseling on, um, it was family issues. And, oh, man, this, you such a joy to work with, you know, I'm studying scripture. And we are almost about to finish counseling. It was just amazing. This I, I just remember. He was a high school teacher in a public school, you know, just had a good testimony with his, uh, his students. Just amazing. And he said, well, you know, Ronaldo, I just, you know, I know that we're about to finish here, but I just have a, this quick prayer request, you know. Would, would you pray for me? I, you know, I have, so I have a problem with smoking. What? Yeah, a problem with smoking. Well, how, what are we talking about here? And it was marijuana. And I asked, well, what is the frequency? And, you know, just a whole can of worms open. And, and it's like, well, um, my wife is okay with it. Well, do your kids know about it? No, they couldn't. Oh, my goodness, I could not have my kids know about this. Well, do your students know about it? Like, oh, no, they, they cannot. The school cannot know that. And I was like, and why is that? And, and it's, it's getting him. It is wrong. It is morally wrong. 
and, and your heart is telling you that. I don't even need to open scriptures to say that this is this is wrong. Would you would you if this is okay for you, would you have others to to do what you want to do? Ah, uh, absolutely not. I don't want my students doing this thing. And, and why is that? Well, because you know <laughs> that it's not a behavior worth emulating, right? Philippians four, um, six and seven. Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable. Let such things occupy your mind. If those things are to occupy your mind, they are to occupy your behavior as well. But in, in, it really came down to, like, why do you, you feel the need to do this? Um, well, I think, you know, I just work too hard. I just deserve to reward myself. Entitlement mentality. Now, it, praise the Lord, you know, he, he really started understanding and seeing for what it was, you know, this was just, it was not the marijuana per se, it was, he was seeking. You know, I deserve it. Do we deserve anything? No, we don't. We really, the only thing we deserve is hell. And God, by his grace, does not give us what we deserve. He gives us heaven, he gives us more than we deserve. And we should live with thankfulness for whatever he gives us and really trusting um, him. So here's how we, we really deal with this um, entitlement mentality. You put off this entitlement mentality that I do not deserve anything. I, um, I shouldn't be ungrateful because whatever is given to me, it is a grace of God. And then what should we put on? It's, it's a mark of a transforming Christian. I want to be responsible and obedient to the, the word of God to be self-controlled and sober-minded. Um, I, you know, let no one to think highly of himself, right? We, we, it's the pride of life. I, I am the best that there is out there, <laughs> and I want to get everything that is for me. Um, it's not that the Bible doesn't want us to experience pleasure and, and comfort, all of those things are good, but they are found in God. We experience the joy of playing with, you know, I was yesterday, we're, we're at a birthday party of, with my nephews, and it was just so much fun. We can't enjoy that in the Lord. We can't enjoy those things. They are not our joy and satisfaction. They are God that we worship and we live for. We get to enjoy these things by looking to the God that gave them, the creator of those things. We worship the creator, not the creation. The direct your heart, seeing the things from above, um, that's what Colossians uh, 3, chapter 3 says, be grateful. I normally tend to ask these people to just write, you know, write out a list. I want you to every day, by the end of the day, to write down 10 things that you're thankful for. You know, that you can look to God and say, I am thankful for this. Wow, I got safe home from work. Nothing happened to me, you know, and then you keep writing. Oh, I have a, a roof over my head. I have um, food on my plate. I, you know, and we're going to go to um, um, Proverbs here, the passage where it is describing a way of thinking of a drunk and, and there's just this discontentment with life. They're always complaining about everything. Well, how do we change this mindset? God, I am not worth anything. You have given me more than I deserve, and I'm thankful. All right, changing affections, changing the heart of a entitlement mentality. 
the second commandment here on our notes is, the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, it is what he calls here the consumer mentality. Um, everything that there is out there is for me to grab. People and things are just um, the sole purpose of satisfying me. Um, so many times um, you will see broken families because they really struggle with the thought, you know, oh, this thing is just, it's just, uh, it's not a big deal. It's just affecting my life. Like, well, look at your parents. How many sleepless nights they're going, uh, going through because of this behavior. So what is that we need to put off on this? Um, is the opposite mentality that is commanded in the scripture. That we ought to love God above everything else and that we should love others. I'm going to do this for the love of God and the love of others. Consumer mentality says, I need it, I'll keep it, it's mine. Um, this is the, the, uh, the besetting sin of our age. Um, what should we focus? The same thing that was the instruction given to the, uh, to the thieves, right? They stopped stealing and working with their own hands, so to give. Not everything exists for, our, for us to grab. We should enjoy things with thankfulness in our hearts, and um, we should give. We should share with others. That's the opposite mentality. Acts 20, 35 says, it is more blessed to give than to take. Uh, and then moving on here, I gotta get through these notes real quick. Putting off the victim mentality, that's another one here. And he used Ephesians um, 4, no, Ephesians 5, 18, 19 to refute that way of thinking. So the victim mentality, it kind of merged a little bit with the medical understanding of addiction, right? Of um, I was born this way, I, I'm just doomed. You know, I, I, I'm to be like this. I'm always an alcoholic. Even though I stopped the behavior, you know, and you have people that does stop drinking, that do stop using drugs, and yet they always call that the medical model. You can't be cured. You can't be treated. You can't be, you always have to be in therapy. You always have to be on whatever it is that you need to, to be out of this. Um, it is the, ooh, did I switch here? The victim mentality. Yes. Um, so... Um, then we have passages in, in Scripture that talks about that. The, uh, we'll see today uh, the doing things when they're, they're right in their own eyes. I perceive this this way, and I want to do um, things this way. Uh, there is a rebellion uh, mindset that goes with it. Uh, open your Bible to um, Proverbs chapter 31. I hope I got it right here. Proverbs 31. Um, I think I got the, the wrong text. Um, 21? Let me see. I do know that the 31 talks about the... Okay. 
Um, the, his mom, you know, Lemuel's mother, this king's mother, is writing him. And she's giving him instructions. And she says on verse 5, um, well, verse 4 says, It's not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for the rulers to desire strong drink, for they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert things, pervert the things of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to him whose life is bitter. Now, you understand that you know, in those times, wine and, and drink was not just... Um, something to, to be merry or to, to, to get drunk was really medicine. People that were in deep pain. I mean, you, you watch these old movies and they're going to perform a surgery. They're going to stick out a bullet out of the chest of someone, what they, they give? Strong drink, some alcohol, something that, that will numb their senses. So in, in this sense, the Bible is condoning <laughs> the use if you, if you really are in, and we're not talking about emotional pain, we're talking about people with difficulties and in our context today it's not alcohol because we do have more advanced drugs to help people to cope with pain if they are with cancer and they're dealing with um, you know really uh, a lot of uh, big threshold of, of level of pain um, but you don't pursue those things just for the sake of numbing yourself let him who drink forget his poverty and remember his trouble more, no more Open your mouth of the mute for the rights of the unfortunate. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. Um, take this mindset of being focused on self and focus on others. Um, I, I think I did miss the passage. But if someone can find it there on their apps, is the one that says that who is the, uh, the redness of I. I think I read it the last time. Um, I just don't recall the, the right text. But it is when it says, who's belonged to redness of eyes? You know what a pastor to talk about? All right, if you have your Bible apps there, please pull it out. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving on here. And that's really uh, what the passage will, will, will get to. It's this is perishing mentality that I don't care if I die as, as long as I have this last piece of, um, of pot or whatever or um, meth or anything that will just take me out of my suffering. Um, I don't care if I die by pursuing this. I'll just do because of what it offers me. You find it? All right, 23. That was the one I was looking for. Thank you, Shushu. Uh, what was the verse, 23. Yeah, this is the one. So starting there, it says, um, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaining? Remember what I talked about, the unthankful and sense of entitlement? Who has wounds without cause and who has redness of eye? Those that, um, I, you know, I'm, I was just scarred. Uh, this that happened to me, I didn't deserve this. I, you know, someone did, and you know, given I do want to make room here for people that experienced deep trauma. It, it is not a, an easy thing 
but it doesn't cause us to pursue something else. You know, there are people that suffer. We saw in the Bible, like Joseph, and, and he never went to pursue, you know, alcohol or different things as a means of being satisfied in his suffering, coping with his trauma. That's not how the Bible sees it. So who are those that have this kind of behavior? Are those who linger over wine and Again, wine is being used as a prototype of anything that is intoxicating. Those who go to taste mixed wine do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and it stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things, hallucinations. Um, and your mind will utter perverse things, and it will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea, and like one who lies down on the top of a mast. They have no sense of danger. Their life is just at risk, and they don't even care. They say, they, uh, they struck me, but I did not become well, didn't become ill. They didn't hurt me. I, I don't care anymore if I am hurt by this. They beat me, but I did not know it. When shall I awake, I will seek another drink. And it's just that cycle of going back again and again that even the horrible consequences that they experience doesn't faze them anymore. Um, how then we, we deal with that? We um, encourage of, of thinking of um, here in Ephesians, do not get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart, uh, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you really start thinking about being grateful for what God has done and what is this whole singing about? What does the psalms mostly talk about? What is the, the, the main thread of the Psalms? It's a praise to God's character. Is the psalmist reflecting, oh Lord, I'm in danger. Thank you that you protect me. But so basically what Paul is saying here is you do like the psalmists are doing. You start extolling God's character. You let your mind dwell on these things and you tell to others because you want that to transform not only yourself, but you want to share that with others. All right, now I want to provide some um, really helpful uh, instruction here. One is um, helping people to deal with the deception, right? Because there is a lot of deception in this, um, this particular sin. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, 13. And I think that really brings out... Um, the importance of us as a church to really gather around those that do do we struggle to help because you know some of us might not struggle with addiction but we might struggle with anger we might struggle with impatience and sin is deceitful it doesn't matter what the color of the sin is we need each other to remind ourselves of God's word to renew our minds, renew our affections. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another at day after day, as long as it is called today, so that no one 
none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. But we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance until the end. So we need the one another's. We need each other to be um, caring for um, some of these needs. You must create opportunities for them to learn, to grow, and be around other believers. Um, You know, I'm not against um, facilities that help people to, you know, kind of get back on their feet. But I do encourage, you know, and I look for uh, institutions that are connected to a church. Because all you do is, and you have these these self-help groups, and you keep talking about your one area of sin, right? It is, oh, I'm not addiction with with meth or with alcohol, whatever it is. And, you know, they hear all their their friends' stories, and I'm like, well, I'm not as bad as that one. I'm not as, you know, so there's always that comparison. Um, Yes, there is a camaraderie of that, but... There's more out there. You can be encouraging. Yes, you, you might have a struggle with alcohol, but you're not, you don't struggle with anger. Well, you can encourage someone else with anger. So it, it is the beauty of the body of Christ that we can help one another to point out, well, sin is deceitful. Watch out so you don't fall into this trap. So it's not just this forever, you know, the, the, the band of people that stay and stick with, that mentality is that we, you know, we, we always struggle, and this is how we help one another. Um, what are some of the deceptions of sin? Laziness, loneliness, hurt, bitterness, discontentment are all part of the battle of everyday life for every Christian. Temptation can trigger emotions and choices. Trigger is not just an excuse, but a, a description of one preceding the another. So if, if they know that, you know, when I am sad, when I am frustrated with work, that's when temptation comes. Well, let me help you to think about this deception that you are entitled to reward yourself when you're tired. What should you do when you're tired? Um, let me think. Well, I should thank the Lord that I have a job that get me tired. I should thank the Lord that I have... Um, ability to help my family, and the Lord commands me to rest. I am going to sleep. I'm going to do whatever I can to have rest and, um, and thank God for that rest. Um, the addict, the addict, and he says, needs a small group of community, uh, biblical counselors to walk with them. He created this, um, you know, this alliteration here, TCF, is a trusting Christian friend, a trusted Christian friend that they can call in the middle of their temptation that they that would be there to help them. Um, and we all do. We all need those relationships in our lives to help us. We can speak truth in love to them. They cannot trust themselves, deception, so they need other people. So the other part of this is uh, the community that the church offers, right? It is. It is offering that way of escape that the Lord has provided for us. In 1 Corinthians 10, um, 30, uh, 13, actually, I put it at 31. It's uh, the correct one is 13. And relationships are so important. Um, they're very important, but they allow the context of gentle correction can be received. This is why the 12-step program, you know, all these things are so appealing. It's because they offer this community of people that, are, that will be gathering around them. I think we as a church, we can offer that at a more deeper level because we're not just dealing with 
alcohol. We're not just dealing with the drug, but we're dealing with the heart motivations behind those things. Um, we, as the body of Christ, have the real thing through the love of God and the truth of the word of God, a real relationship. We have a relationship with the holy God, and we have a relationship with one another. Worshippers worship God in spirit and truth. Uh, then put a little cartoon there, the narcissist is anonymous. <laughs> it's like, hey, what is this anonymous stuff? Yeah, and it's just like taking a selfie, and it's all about themselves, right? No, and the, the, the body of Christ as, as a group of help, not self-help, is it's a God help. We point them to God. This is not about you. This is not about you being sober. This is about you having a relationship with God and becoming more like Christ. It's not, I, I don't want you to become a better sinner. I want you to become a better saint, someone that is more and more like Christ. And then how do we fight temptations? For one, I didn't put in there, but James talks about that, it, you know, it is not circumstance, it is not things that tempt us to fall into sin. It is our own desire. We are enticed by our own desire. Um, why is that certain people don't feel the allurement of, of seeking meth or of smoking marijuana? Why is that? Well, because there's not that lure in their hearts to pursue pleasure or comfort or the buzz or whatever it is that they're seeking on those things, um, that numbing feeling, um, because it's not there. It's not going to appeal to them. First Timothy 4 gives us uh, a way of um, dealing with temptation. It is not a easy thing. It's hard work that we don't do in our own strength. We do in God's strength. First Timothy chapter four, seven and nine. Um, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. You know, back in the day, they had always their, their theories that kept spreading. Now we have those worldly fables nowadays, right, don't we? On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only for a little of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it hold the pro- holds the promise of the present life, but also in the life to come. As we start changing our thinking and exercises in the spiritual disciplines, we will be transformed. And he makes this analogy as, you know, someone that is competing in the Olympic Games or, or you know, working out uh, the word gymnasio from what we get gym today. Um, it, it is at work here. Is that you, you have to work hard to discipline yourself to godliness. It is not something that will come easy. You know, that there'll be some sweating of, you know, I, I have to write down what am I thinking right now? What am I seeking? What do I have to be thankful for? Who do I have to call to, 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 to walk with me through this? Um, and more blessed than just the physical exercise is that there's a spiritual exercise. You, you, you get well in this life and the life to come. That's the, the beauty of it all. That was not just living for the, now, the here and now. Um, helping them to create new habits of new way of thinking, putting off all these entitlement mentalities, consumer, victim, perishing, and rebellious mentalities. 
putting on mentalities of Christ. Christ was humble. Christ was grateful. He was responsible. He was grateful, and he was submissive to the Father. You know, instead of being a rebel, instead of being a victim, you know, I, I, am, not, I am not entitled to anything. I am humble. I am grateful for what I have. New ways of thinking and uh, responding to life, recognizing emotions, but saying no to some of these emotions, not being ruled over them, uh, by them. Speaking truth to themselves. Speaking, speaking truth with as many senses as at once as possible. Uh, some, some people are encouraged to, to write down, to draw, to you know, use whatever it takes to engage their minds with the spiritual things and not let uh, be overwhelmed by the temptations. Cravings are real, uh, legitimately, diagnostically measurable uh, uh, physical phenomena that are a result of drug intake, so prepare them to the battle in advance. Um, I send you a podcast with Mark Shaw in the email uh, regarding the medical treatment, you know, for those that are being weaned out of some very, you know, difficult drugs to, to withdraw because there's the withdrawal symptoms. So, um, so if you want to listen to that, it gives you some more insight on, you know, some situations you will need, you know, real medical assistance in helping them. You're not a doctor. Um, you help them. You have referred them to a doctor to deal with those. And, um, but that is not a bullet in the heart of addiction because guess what? You know, even methadone, the drug that they use to wean people out, people get addicted to it. So y you want to point them to something higher that, you know, as you progress as winning out of the temptation, um, there is hope. And then uh, Colossians 3, 16, 18, dwell richly, uh, let the word dwell richly in you. Uh, thankfulness is part of fighting temptation. Uh, we are weakened by our ungrateful attitudes in the fight against sin. Uh, bitterness, hurt, uh, comparing themselves with other people. It's better with thankful lists, with gratitude, exercise, and thankfulness versus... So there's um, the last first lecture kind of showed the downward spiral. This one is the upward um, way of growing. You engage the battle and separate from the object of your affections, uh, what we call, the Bible called mortification. Right? You don't put yourself in a position where you're going to be tempted. Oh, I'm just going to hang out here in a bar and I'm tempted to, to drink. Like seriously? This is, you know this is the place where you're going to be as far as possible from these opportunities. Turn to Christ and commit yourself to keep turning to Christ. Surrounding yourself with wise counselors, be part of a church, and speak honestly. I think deception is the, the major difficulty uh, with those that are, you know, tempted in addiction. And as, as soon as they can handle um, telling the truth and not hiding it, or not telling half truths. Oh, it wasn't as bad. Um, you know, I just did. I, 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 you know, this counseling about the marijuana thing. I was like, oh no, it's just. I, I just like every once in a while. Like, well, how often? Well, I don't know. Like once a month or something. Things are really hard at work. Well, when was that last time you did? Well, it was um, a Monday. What was the last time before that? Friday. And before that, um, 
and I think the week before I did that, you know, it's like, oh, so it's not once a month, you know? So you tell the truth. Um, Proverbs 18, or you guys are going to get this wrong here, but it is in my sermon later, so you will hear it, um, that those who conceal their sin, they will find no hope. Um, no, I did, I did get the reference wrong, so, but you will hear it later. Basically, uh, concealing a transgression, it leads you nowhere. But those who confess and forsake it will find mercy. So being truthful, you know, whatever it takes, I'm going to tell the, the people that hold me accountable. And I, even though it's going to be hard to tell the truth, I'm going to tell it. And, and most importantly, we can't hide from God. Commit yourself to thinking God's thoughts about addictions and wise living. Engage the battle at the level of imagination and delight in the fear of the Lord. All right. I did go too long without giving you any time for questions. Um, but I do want to open for, you know, maybe a couple observations, thoughts uh, that you might have on this. Um, it's just such a, a big topic, you know, that even the three lectures that we had, I don't think haven't even touched it, um, but I think it does give us at least some uh, north uh, to, you know, help, and we uh, have a lot of resources in the church, and if you know anyone that is struggling, um, I did find out we do have a biblical counseling facility, I think in Mound, where people can stay um, if they're struggling, obviously, you know, we have counselors here that could help as well, so. Any questions, comments? No? All right. Let me pray. Don't, you know, feel free to, to walk to me and ask anything. Yeah, if you share your thoughts through this. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your words that give us hope, Lord. And um, the Lord Jesus was called the friend of sinners. Lord, there is no sin, big or dirty or whatever it is, um, that would prevent us from, from being with you. Christ has uh, breached that gap. He has come and has died for us so that we might have fellowship with you. He, Christ, God the Father, made him who, who, who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might be free so that we might be forgiven and might be transformed. Lord, we know that you know, our heart goes out for those that struggle. Uh, may we be reminded that we all do have our um, besetting sins, that we have the things that we might seek for comfort, for pleasure, for um, a reward um, of the things. May you point that out in our hearts um, and, and even help us to, to think biblically, uh, to be thankful, uh, to cultivate a thankful mentality, a mentality that put you first and not ourselves at the center. Pray, Father, that you would encourage us to, to not shy away from opportunities to witness to others and to um, even be an encouragement to them. And we pray all these things um, in Jesus' name. Amen.